My name is Jackie Duraff. Welcome to my grade two classroom at Trinity Christian School here in the beautiful city of Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. We are elated to have you join the Every Square Centimeter podcast as we tour this beautiful land we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. Before we kick off our podcast with an opening square, a quick recap of the last stop on our virtual tour of Canada where we spent time in Richmond Christian School with Bonnie Burton. By the way, I love the, the that way that name rolls off my tongue. Bonnie Burton. We didn't take advantage of that last time. So anyway, with Bonnie Burton, we learned. Jeremy needs to turn his external mic on. Uh, we gave those of you that follow us on Twitter at Every Square Centimeter a heads up. But if you're not a tweeter, then this is our apology for the sound quality. We've got it fixed this time, hopefully. We also learned Darren's dad's discipline involves ice cream sandwiches. We learned that Bonnie Burton's leadership skills started early as she basically organized a fight club as a student. We also learned how Richmond's unique demographics are reflected in the culture of Richmond Christian School and how important it is for middle school teachers and leaders to love and have specific hopes for that particular age group. We really appreciated Bonnie Burton, so go have a listen to that if you haven't already. Today, today we're calling ourselves, our group, a cast. So a cast in Burlington. I'm going to say a Burlingtonian cast, Jackie, Burlingtonian. Works for me. Nice. And to get to know our cast, we're going to start our podcast with the name segment. All right. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Get on the Bus, We're Going Camping, Darren Speaksma. Hey, cast. Hey, hey Darren. Darren. Darren, our prompt for today is what's a hobby you enjoyed throughout COVID? So the hobby I enjoyed throughout COVID um, was lawn removal. Um, <laughs> I took the opportunity to eradicate the majority of my yard of lawn and turn it into gardens. So I could either call it gardening or I could call it lawn removal. And today I'm calling it lawn removal as my COVID hobby. Get behind me, Kentucky bluegrass. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a lawn segment, just a Darren lawn <laughs> segment every uh, podcast episode. So, All right. And if, uh, if, if, if Darren was get on the bus, we're going camping. Then from advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who actually missed the bus. That's Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, oh Canada. Canada. Oh, that's our best. Okay. What's a hobby you enjoyed throughout COVID? Well, one lifeline for me during COVID has definitely been disc golfing with my son, Levi, in addition to some others from my family or maybe even a couple other friends of Levi's. Uh, Lots of awesome disc golfing courses that have mostly been open during COVID. And our, our disc golfing collection of discs is increasing and we're excited about that. Are you at the point where you're wearing a backpack for your discs? But my no, but my son wants one for his birthday. That's how serious this yeah. is getting. Yeah, that's a that's a sign. That's good. Uh, I love a good game of disc golf. Um, as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Trinity Christian School by one of the grade two teachers, Jackie Durath. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Jackie. Thank you so much for being with us. What's a hobby you enjoyed throughout COVID? Well, my husband and I are avid hikers, so we have been trying our best to um, hike as much as we can when it was available to us, so closer to home maybe than we had sometimes wanted to be, and looking forward to spreading our wings a little further. We're endeavoring actually to be end-to-enders on the Bruce Trail, which is a beautiful trail, 900 kilometers long, that runs from Niagara Falls to Tobermory, and we are currently uh, nearing nearing the 500-kilometer mark. Wow, Jackie, that's amazing. Great. We love it. We we talked about the Bruce Trail in episode one, so I'm glad it's making a return here in episode six. I'm looking forward to seeing what Jeremy's hobby is after the I'm going to be an end-to-ender. Just putting yeah. it out there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. 
yeah, yeah, it'll pale in in comparison. Are you? Is there hiking around the escarpment? Is that the right way? Am I saying that? Along the escarpment. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. I did a little bit of research around uh, uh, around our uh, our group name today of of cast. Uh, So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so my hobby, especially in light of that, Jackie, is this is going to sound pretty pathetic. Um, I'm a huge Raptors fan. Toronto Raptors fan. And so I, I basically watch every single Raptors fan. And that already it doesn't sound like a great hobby, especially compared to walking 900 uh, kilometers. However, um, I'm not a very disciplined uh, work a person that works out. So what I've, what I've done is I've started to, to work out during the Raptors games. And I'll run for the first half of the game. I always pre-record. I uh, can't watch the whole thing in real time. Uh, so I'll, 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 it's about 30 minutes for a half when uh, you fast forward, you know, commercials, free throws. So 30 minute run. And then the second half, I'll do push-ups, sit-ups, or some kind of exercise based on the score of the team. So one team I'll do push-ups, the other team I'll do sit-ups. And uh, yes, my wife does complain how long these workouts take. She's like, are you still working out? Uh, and I, yes, I am still, still in my workout here. So, uh, but anyway, it has kept me quite disciplined. It's been my longest consistent workout however uh once raptors are out of uh play then i that's where i run into trouble so i gotta find maybe hiking uh in the real world well come on to ontario you, it. you can come along yeah we'd love to have you just got to get through a few borders uh and uh yeah that sounds great so yeah if uh listeners tweet us at every square centimeter and let us know a hobby that you enjoyed during covid for the second half of our opening square we have our Hosts choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with AIM. And game has been a favorite. I think we've done that uh, three times. But today, Jackie has chosen a new segment. Jackie, are you willing to try a drum roll? Like, we can't do it on our desk because Graham gets mad. Try a drum roll with your mouth. Can you try that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, it's, it's, it's shame. It's shame yeah. is the next segment. All right, so shame. So at this point, uh, we've simply defined this segment as an embarrassing teacher moment. Maybe at some point we'll have to go a little broader than that, like maybe use the verb shame, like shame some part of the education world. But today, we're just going to say or talk about an embarrassing teacher moment. And to kick us off, Jackie. So yeah, I did get to choose this segment. And it's not even because I have such an embarrassing moment, but because I was really curious about what you guys would say. So um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't have a ton of embarrassing things, really. But um, I do recall, uh, this is a number of years ago, this student would already be in, in university. And I grew up as a pretty strong ginger. So my hair was pretty red, pale skin and freckles. And I always kind of felt like my hair was a big statement. And so I understated my wardrobe to not make that additionally attractive or noticeable. So kind of went very, very neutral. And that was my comfort zone. And I remember coming to school, um, teaching grade four, and um, I had I had worn something kind of new for me, a bit bold and, and out of the box for me. And I was standing in the doorway greeting my students. And one of my students came toward me, did not even meet my eyes, just gave me a really slow once over and said to herself kind of under her breath, Phew, finally some color. And then she went to the classroom. And I think I spent the rest of that year and many times since thinking about when I get rest ready in the morning, wow, like my kids look at me for hours every day. What what are they gonna think about this? Yeah. So not really embarrassing, but a bit of a call to pay attention to what they're looking at. So there you go. What have you That's got? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Uh Justin. Uh what you got? Yeah, well, considering I already highlighted my missing of the bus last time, I'll, I'll skip right to my own wardrobe reckoning. So thank you for paving the way, Jackie, on that. I started my teaching career in British Columbia, Fraser Valley Christian High at the time, now Surrey Christian School. But Al Borama was my principal, my first year's teaching. And I got called into the principal's office. And Al just kind of gently, Al's an amazing guy. He gently said, "Um, just wondering if we could talk about attire. And I was like, (laughs) okay. He's like, well, do you feel like, you know, there's any concerns you might have about the casual level 
of your attire. And I looked down at myself and, and saw, you know, like really ratty shorts and a t-shirt and it just, all of a sudden the shame flooded over me and I realized I had let my principal down and I was not looking at all like a teacher, but it was, I thought it was the BC way. I thought that's why I moved to BC. Cause I just thought everybody at BC didn't care about, you know, dress, but it, when I looked at myself through his eyes, I, I knew I had shamed him. So was it so, colorful at least? Uh, that's a great question. My guess is probably not actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I definitely have some wardrobe ones as well. I, I definitely wouldn't be known as someone that dressed well. Uh, maybe it was my BC roots, uh, Justin, but mm-hmm. we're going to get a lot of hate mail from BC, uh, mm-hmm. around dress, uh, proving us wrong. So, um, I mentioned last time too, in our two truths and lie that I uh, celebrated uh, one twin's birthday once, but you know, the truth of that one is basically in phys ed, I, I would give whoever's birthday it was the chance to choose the game for the day. And so I referred to Eric, Hey, can you choose a game? And, and, uh, and then didn't give his brother a chance, uh, to, to do the game. And someone did say, uh, Mr. Orleans, uh, it's also Daniel's birthday, um, because he's a twin. <laughs> and so, um, however, what, so the story that I think that goes right now, I definitely in covenant Christian lore in Leduc is one of my first years we were having a conversation around relish and uh, I think I was doing it like, well, what, what is relish? Like, you know, I, and we we're having this staff discussion and, and some, well, obviously it's cucumbers. And I said, well, no, it's not. I said, it's pickles. And they're looking at me and waiting for me to smile and <laughs> kind of grin. And, and I, and, and I'm looking at them going, it's no way it's cucumbers. It's there's, this is pickles for sure. I know, I know, you know, I know this. <laughs> And uh, unfortunately, the two people staring at me were my vice principal and principal. And uh, at some point, uh, we did get to the point where they pointed out the fact that, you know, pickles were from cucumbers. So it became this this joke. <laughs> I did do some research. There are pickle trees out there. Uh, just, you know, an FYI. Um, however, I did go back to my class and ask them how many people knew. And like, I think what uh, grade seven students, I think one student didn't know. So they definitely uh, bugged me about that for years at uh, Covenant <laughs> Christian School. Darren, what you got? Yeah, so I've got a long list of embarrassing moments, but I think the the earliest one I can remember was um, as a first year teacher teaching grade seven, and often was the case in this K to seven school um, in Agassiz was the grade sixes and sevens would have to clean up all the chairs after uh, chapel, all the benches and chairs. That was sort of our our service. And they would have to stack them a certain level high. And then there's these fancy little dollies or whatever that were, were there. And the kids were not doing a great job and complaining about how heavy they were, et cetera, et cetera. So then I called all the kids around and said, okay, if you work as a team, this is how you do it. You just need to put some energy and some oomph. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of exertion farts, but I leaned into I leaned into that this pile of chairs with all the kids circled around so I, as a diligent new teacher, could show them how to do it. And my extra effort resulted in what I will call either impressive or cataclysmic, but it was a loud and boisterous flatulent. That oh, lived with me the entire time I taught at the school. Give it all you got, speaks, ma. <laughs> I know I change up the intros every time, but that one might have to stick for a few times. That is gold, dude. Uh, uh, wonderful. Uh, I don't know how we transition out of that, but we do. Uh, we're going to transition. We, well, first we just... We got to thank Jackie for picking our first shame segment. Oh. That's what we got to mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Jackie. <laughs> Thanks for being so uh, vulnerable, you, guys. No, <laughs> unlike you, Jackie, I've got multiple embarrassing stories. Uh, so we could go for a while on, on that topic. So thank you. Uh, we're going to transition from this opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit about the places in Canada uh, and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education. As we heard off the top, Jackie teaches at Trinity Christian School in Burlington, Ontario. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about Burlington? Indeed I can. 
So a land acknowledgement to start. Burlington as we know it today is rich in history and modern traditions of many First Nations and the Métis. From the Anishinaabek to the Haudenosaunee and the Métis, our land spanning from Lake Ontario to the Niagara Escarpment are steeped in Indigenous history. The territory is mutually covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Iroquois Confederacy, the Ojibwe, and other allied nations to peaceably share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. We want to acknowledge that the land on which Trinity Christian School sits is part of the treaty lands and the territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. So guys, some uh, some interesting facts uh, about some little known facts, perhaps, although Jackie uh, probably is familiar with all these, I'm sure. But <clears throat> so first of all, just out of interest sake, Burlington became a town in 1914 and then graduated to city status in 1974 when it reached 100,000 people. Some of those people have been pretty famous. Robert Bateman taught at a high school in Burlington. There's a famous Canadian uh, comedian who went to a a high school in Aldershot. Anybody know or want to guess which famous Canadian actor, comedian? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. You nailed it. Jeremy Horlings. Nice work. Um, Jackie, do you visit the Royal Botanical Gardens ever? Do you do any of the hiking at the RBG? Yeah, it's lovely. So there's a massive... When we say gardens or Royal Botanical Gardens, it's multiple locations all throughout Burlington of um, wetlands and and manicured gardens and all kinds of different types of gardens that uh, my family has a pass to. It's an amazing place to go and just a a gorgeous part of the city of Burlington, in addition to the the Bruce Trail that Jackie has uh, is is end to ending, uh, runs also through the north of the city. Um. This is my last fact here, guys. I, I, Jackie, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, apparently hundreds of swans flock to the shores of LaSalle Park in November because they want to be sheltered from the cold winter winds. Have you ever witnessed the hundreds of swans? I have seen them at LaSalle. It's quite quite something, actually. People come and feed them, and yeah, it's cool. Okay, so little hint about what I think a cast is, but uh, we'll save that for later. Mm, like the lead. So Jackie Burlington, tell us a little bit about how you ended up there. Well, I grew up on a farm actually north of London, which is about an hour and a half to the west of here. And um, when uh, I got married to my husband, we went to Owen Sound. My husband is a pastor, a local church pastor. And after a number of years in Owen Sound, which is also on the Bruce Trail, um, we're called to come here to Burlington and moved here in 1999 with three children, one of whom was going into grade three, one of whom was going into grade one and a preschooler. And we've been here ever since. Great. Um, been there long enough to really explore the city. What's your favorite thing about Burlington? I think it's uh, it's a small city. It has a, still a small city feel between um, larger centers. But I think my favorite part um, that's probably been alluded to already is the fact that it's it's along the Bruce Trail. And um, Owen Sound Mm -hmm. also was. And so when we left that community and I was a bit sentimental about that, I thought, you know what? I can get on that trail and I could walk north and I'll I'll go back. And uh, so (laughs) I love the fact that we're along the trail. Nice. Love that. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about your school as well? Okay. Trinity Christian School was established in 1964. Um, It is a richly interdenominational school, uh, represents 40 or more local churches. Uh, We currently have, um, from JK through grade 8, 186 students representing 115 families and an amazing staff of almost 30 of us who I'm always grateful for, but during COVID have been even more grateful for. So love it here. Jackie, can you tell us about uh, your favorite place in your school and why that that place is your favorite? Mm, It's maybe a little bit predictable, but my favorite place in the school is my classroom, actually. Uh, it has changed physical locations in the building a number of times over the years, but my teaching space is, is really kind of a home away from home for me. So um, I, I do love it. And my classroom right now is at the end of a hallway. So I don't get a lot of walk by traffic as much as some of the other classrooms do, except when people are coming in and out of recess um, play outside. But that also means that when I go for a walk, to the staff room. I pass a whole bunch of bulletin boards and artwork. I pass a bunch of classroom doors and can peek inside. 
I can check out what's happening in the lobby gathering space. I can wave to the office staff all on the way to the staff room. So I like my classroom. So you're at the end of the hall and you enjoy the benefit of walking uh, past other classrooms. But why should other teachers come to your classroom, walk to the end of the hall? What's unique about your classroom? Well, I hope that my classroom is a, is a happy place to be. I don't know that it's a particularly unique place. But right now, something that I'm kind of excited about having added to my classroom is um, a sound wall. And if you'd asked me eight months ago what that even is, I wouldn't have even been able to tell you. It's sort of new for me. Um, but I've been on a, on a really um, exciting learning journey this year of exploring the science of reading and how that might impact our literacy learning at Trinity. And so, um, you're, yeah, if you've been a part of a primary classroom, every primary classroom has had, over time, a word wall somewhere up on the wall. That's very typical. But my word wall is down and my sound wall is up. And I'm hoping mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a journey into some excellent new techniques of teaching how to read. Jackie, you're selling yourself short. Uh, your, your classroom is an incredibly happy place. I've had the pleasure of being in there with kids. And um, it, it, I mean, many, pr most primary classrooms are an energetic place to visit, but certainly yours is full of joy. So Jackie, how long have you actually been in Christian education or been a part of it? Oh, a very long, long time. I, uh, I attended a local public school for the first number of years of my elementary education. Um, resources and transportation allowed the transition to Christian school in grade seven. And that's when my parents um, decided to, to join the closest Christian school. And I've been in Christian school kind of ever since. So the remainder of grade school, grade seven and eight, high school, I did my undergrad at what was then Redeemer College, now Redeemer University. I did my teaching um, degree at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So many people would say I've been part of that sort of proverbial bubble um, for a long time. And I, I recognize that that term, um, yeah, I, I'm not defensive when people say that. I, I know that that's, that's been part of my journey and that that has... Um, shadow sides, I suppose, in, in we, we need mm. to be careful that we don't get stuck there. But I actually see it as a blessing. And I'm pretty passionate about um, being part of, of the Christian education world in a way that um, equips to engage and is not here to shelter in order to retreat. So I see my, mm. I see my journey as a blessing, actually. Oh, uh, little note. I used to be a TA for Justin's dad. Justin, did you know that? <laughs> yeah, in my university years, I was a TA for Justin's dad and another English professor. And uh, yeah, anyway. Well, I know I know it's not about that, but little side fact, I took four, four courses or eight courses with my dad as a Redeemer student myself. So a quarter of my college education was with my own father. But anyway, that's a different episode. Sorry. I should say that I always got one grade higher than my husband in those classes with your dad. And my husband will say that was because he favored me, but I'm certain it was because I earned them. He did. I was, I was whatever I was at the time, but he was like, that Jackie, she is awesome. She's just one grade smarter than her boyfriend. That she, he told me that often. <laughs> we, were, we were wondering how Justin made it through uh, his classes. So that's little background information. Um, now, you used an acronym TA, and every anytime anyone uses an acronym on our podcast, uh, we take a guess mm. at what that could mean. Now, that one, I think people have a guess, but I, I have heard different provinces call it differently. So we just take a random, uh, awkward guess at it, and then we'll ask you what it actually is. So TA, I'm going, I'm going to go uh, talking anteater. Uh, Darren, any guesses on TA? I think we're getting points for this, so I'm going with teacher assistant. Bing, bing, bing. You win. Okay. So yeah. in, Alberta, in Alberta, we have EAs, educational assistants. Uh, I also wanted to go back to your actual sound wall, if you won't, if you don't mind, Jackie, because it's, uh, for those that can't see it, like you said, our, our listeners won't be able to see this, but it's, it's quite a beautiful aesthetic uh, picture behind you as we're, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe we could take a picture or have that somewhere in the show notes. Um, can For you just sure. describe that, Jackie, what the difference between a sound wall and a word wall would be? Okay, so we have been on a, on a journey, a couple of us on staff, um, diving into the science of reading. And um, our English alphabet has 26 letters, but there are 44 phonemes. 
um, sounds that are created with those letters in different um, singly or in patterns or in um, blends and digraphs and vowel teams. And so a sound wall is a way of representing um, how a sound is made in your, um, what's happening in your mouth with your tongue and um, the whole gamut of those 44 phonemes. So intended mm -hmm. to be a good interactive tool where kids can come up and move and change and um, just learn about how language actually works. So it's a way of cracking the code of the English language. So bring us into a, a little moment as a grade 12, as grade two students. So give us a word example or a phonemic example, Jackie, just illustrate what you're saying in terms of the 44 uh, phonemes that are on the wall. Okay. So um, if we look at a couple of sounds that are stop sounds, so sounds that are made with a small burst of air, your b, your p, your k. So some of those are voiced sounds um, where, your, where your vocal cords are, are activated, some are not. So it's just a way of understanding how a sound is made, how mm -hmm. those sounds come together. And it just gives a much fuller um, visual for a child to understand how to crack the code right than just an alphabet. And a word wall mm -hmm. is not really so effective because often the anchor words on a word wall don't help a child understand the building blocks of how that word is actually um, spelled. That's awesome. I love, and I love, um, so often when, when we've talked and interviewed teachers so far, talked about this idea of commitment to growth and learning. So I, I love that. I hear that even just in reading and in, in all these different areas, but I know that you also, uh, when you came on the podcast, had, had a desire to talk about something specific and it wasn't just sound walls. Uh, and so I, I was curious what it is today that you wanted to kind of focus our conversation around. Yeah, I, I thought about that question a lot and a, a number of things, I guess, come to mind. I really, I'm excited to keep celebrating um, the diversity in my classroom and leaning into that in creative ways. I feel compelled as a teacher to learn more about the Indigenous history of, of where our school is and to celebrate that and also to acknowledge the, the age-appropriate, difficult parts of that journey. I'm really eager to implement this sound wall behind me and the other things I'm learning about the science of reading. But I think at its core, for me, um, what I think puts the wind in my sails most of all is the journey of shaping character and building community and kind of making culture um, in my classroom and in our school. And we've been on that journey for a while now. Um, using some of the techniques of the responsive classroom framework, and that's been helpful. Um, those are anchor points in a day that help to build community. Those are practices that we, we build into um, sort of the day at school on a regular basis. And I think that creating community allows the trust and um, the safety for a child to feel like they're known, feel like they have a sense of belonging, and that then helps us to notice and wonder with um, confidence and abandon. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's a big part of what I, I love to do. Well, that's great. And I love that you mentioned responsive classroom. And I wonder, you know, I don't think there's very few teachers out there that aren't going to um, be enthusiastic about character, community, and culture. I think that's why we get into Christian education. But Obviously, responsive classroom is the vehicle you're you're using. Can you give us a picture of that? Um, how does that impact? How does the use of responsive classroom impact how you start your day, for example? What would that look like? How would you be building character, community, and culture at the beginning of your day? Um, responsive classroom felt like a really kind of a natural fit for for me as a Christian school teacher because I think it already aligned beautifully with how I see a child and how I see um, how God has made children. So um, responsive classroom is a framework that really honors the social and emotional flourishing of children right alongside their academic flourishing. And when we um, make those both a priority in tandem, I think we, we do um, we do beautiful work with, with kids to help them flourish as whole people. So um, Responsive Classroom has a number of anchor points. I think the favorite part of it for me, quite honestly, is starting the day every day with a morning meeting. 
And I think every teacher does some sort of community circle at the beginning of the day, but a responsive classroom morning meeting um, has some components that just really are intentional in um, greeting each other. So everybody hears their name spoken, um, a sharing question that allows for uh, a connector and, and different children to, to voice their, their reflections, um, a way to, uh, lead into some curriculum early on in the day in a fun way. And then the end of the day would be a closing circle of um, some reflection time. And those anchor points at the beginning and the end um, have been really important rhythms in the day. I love it, Jackie. Jackie, can you illustrate, get us into a concrete celebration story of a, of a you don't have to name the child, but does a, does a story come to mind of a child who's really flourished because of that structure, those anchor moments? Um, can you tell us a story that really embodies how Responsive Classroom has helped you to kind of pursue that sense of community and character and culture? I don't know if I can pick a particular child in a particular story, but if I think about the students, even this year, um, who came in perhaps a little timid and um, not all that willing to make themselves vulnerable in social situations, and then to see how slowly but surely the really um, regular rhythm of sharing, the regular rhythm of greeting each other by name, the regular rhythm of reflection and um, encouraging each other and building each other up has just um, beautifully allowed them to gain confidence and, and feel like they could lean into our noticings and our wonderings. And we've been, um, yeah, we've been working hard in grade two at trying to answer some big questions about who am I and why am I here? And when kids feel like they, they have a place in the group, that makes those big questions um, a little easier to dive into. Mm, I love the way you even just repeating regular rhythm, regular rhythm, regular rhythm, even in your response. It just the soothing aspect and the, the consistent reliability of those liturgies and practices just get me excited for that, for that formation that's happening there. Thanks for sharing that. Jackie already hinted at uh, this idea of, you know, who am I and why am I here? Uh, stories that you're inviting students into. Uh, can you elaborate on, you know, what, what story as a Christian school teacher do you try to invite your students into? I think that story is, is really essentially God's big story. It's uh, the grand narrative and helping children to see that they're a part of that. So um, when we were on one of our very first hiking trips to the lands of the Bible, to Israel and Egypt and Jordan and Turkey, um, we've been on a number of, of biblical studies trips that, that meant we were learning with our feet. And um, along the way, we, we unpacked a couple of Hebrew terms, one of which is tohu vavohu. And that term means chaos. And when God's spirit hovered over the water in the Genesis account of creation, it was really his spirit hovering over the tohu vavohu, the chaos, the nothingness of an unformed world. And then, of course, we know he, he speaks into being this creation, this beautiful place of shalom. And um, everything in harmony, everything in peace and rightness. And then sin mars that and taints it and distorts it in every facet of what God made. And his journey ever since then has been this gracious, loving journey of another Hebrew word, tikkun, tikkun ulam, which means mending the world into a place of shalom again. And so I know that's really heady stuff for, you know, little seven and eight-year-olds, but I feel like my heart's desire as a school teacher in a Christian school is to help kids catch a sense of who they are in that story and that they get to be part of the mending of the world, the tikkun olam, the restoring of shalom. I love that. Can you, can you give us a picture of how your students are, are in that place of restoration? Um, 
I mean, COVID has interrupted our, our journey of learning quite significantly over the mm-hmm. last two years. But last school year, not this school year, but last school year, we actually, as grade two teachers, the two of us together, took really the bulk of the entire year and um, made our celebration of learning topic answering the question, who am I? And we, we started in September and we, we worked at that through May across the subject areas and thought about who am I as a learner? Um, am I body smart? Am I people smart? Am I word smart? Who am I in? What's my name mean? Who am I as um, the person who I'm called? Um, who am I in my family? If I would map a, ma- a family tree, where am I in that spot? Who am I in the classroom? How do my classmates respond to me and what do they see in me? Who am I and where am I in God's world? Um, Put myself on the map. Um, God placed me here in Burlington, Ontario. What does that mean? Um, Who am I as God's child and scripture verses throughout the year that helped us unpack that were created and accepted and secure and significant? And then ultimately, who am I in God's story was um, a timeline across the wall of the classroom that unpacked the Old Testament stories and Jesus' life and ministry and death and resurrection and ascension and Pentecost. And then we just kind of told the kids, if we would keep that timeline going around all four walls of the classroom and down the hallway and around the gym and outside, eventually that timeline would include your birthday and it would include Mm -hmm. your first steps and your words and your coming to school and all the memories that we've had in grade two this year. And we don't know where the timeline will go into the future, but you're a part of it. And you get to kind of help God write the next chapters because you've been wired a specific way for a specific purpose. And you get to unpack that. So they won't catch that all at seven and eight, but it's a, it's a part of giving them a, a, a bigger perspective on, um, on who they are and where they're going. I'm pretty emotional, Jackie, because I'm getting it. I, honestly, uh, I think the consistency between the responsive classroom community, the regular rhythms, the curricular focus of who am I and my various identities, there is such coherence to what you're weaving together. It's amazing. But we also know that there's tons of aspects of schooling that get in the way of that ideal, that vision. Can you talk about maybe what some of your bigger hurdles or barriers are that get in the way of that ideal? Well, I'm a task-oriented person, and I think every teacher to a certain degree will say that um, time constraints and the nuts and bolts of curriculum expectations and just the busyness of a day can often make me put my head down and silo and, and, and lose the forest for the trees. And so that's a consistent challenge. Um, what's been helping, I think, uh, is is broadening not just what's happening in our classroom to what's happening in our school and trying to keep the big picture in front of us. We've been working hard at um, our school's um, refined mission and vision statements. And that's been a way for a whole school to think about who am I and why am I here? Um, so that was a process we began a couple of years ago and I got to work with a smaller group of staff on just refining that and wordsmithing a mission statement that we could be really excited about. And we worked um, with someone who I just really, really respected on that journey. Justin will know him, Chris Bosch, and uh, just did a wonderful job of asking probing questions and helping us to, to think about what we, yeah, what, we, what would make it come alive for us. And so we've drafted a new mission statement and um, yeah, that that's been a really life giving part of what we're living into now. A couple things, Jackie, uh- First off, um, of probably least importance, did you say Chris Bosch? Because as a Raptors fan, that sounds like an ex-Raptor, but not, <laughs> no, not the same. Not, not okay. the same. He, he may play okay. very, very good basketball, but that's not who I'm thinking. Okay. Um, so second, uh, do you have the mission statement uh, or vision statement? Would you mind? Uh, could you say it for us? So Trinity's um, mission statement now is that Trinity exists to awaken curiosity, nurture faith, and inspire learners to reflect Jesus everywhere. And I love Mm. it. I love the life-giving words of awakening and nurturing and inspiring. Um, Yeah, it was a a great project to work on. Mm. Listeners wouldn't have been able to see this, but Jackie, it didn't look like you were reading that off of anything. And that's a pretty cool thing because I think a mission statement should be something we uh, 
we know well uh, if we're if we're about it in our schools. Um, and I want to just echo the kind of appreciation that Justin said around you inviting students into that story. And you said, I'm not sure if they're getting it all, but I want to thank you for starting that. And they're probably getting more than we, we even think, but I love that you're starting at that age. I'm curious how your faith uh, has impacted your practice. I think my, my own journey and my own faith um, is so interwoven with what I do every day that, um, yeah, I, I, it's one and the same in a way. And I think that's the beauty of not only being an educator who happens to be a Christian, but to being um, able to be working in an environment where I can really be overt about being a Christian educator. Um, that mission statement, um, that has to start with me. It will not be meaningful to my students unless they see it in me. So if I want to awaken curiosity in them, um, they have to see that I'm curious and that I'm asking questions. And I know professionally right now, my curiosity is all about the science of reading and how that's going to play out next year. But um, in the classroom, am I, am I asking them questions? If I want to nurture their faith, it, it has to be evident in me. If I want to inspire their learning, they have to see in me that I am leaning into my own learning. And if I want them to reflect Jesus, they have to see that that um, that I'm doing that. So, Jackie, I love the way you're talking about the importance of your own faith and embodying and mentoring kids in in the kind of uh, mission that you want them to experience at Trinity. Earlier, you had talked about a trip to Israel. I think that was with your husband, Kevin. Um, can you just talk a bit about how? impactful that trip was on your own faith journey or maybe even your own work as an educator. But I just think it's really powerful that you might, you know, talk to us a bit about the impact of an actual pilgrimage, perhaps. I don't know if you'd call it that, but a trip to Israel. Wow. Um, yeah, those, those trips that we've been on together, um, with fellow travelers, often fellow pastors, but just fellow, um, fellow travelers in general, um, have been, a, a huge part of the last number of years of our lives. Um, there isn't anything magical about going to the lands of the Bible. It's not, it's not um, a necessary pilgrimage to understand the Bible. Um, and yet when you are in those places where the context becomes that much more real to you, um, it does make things come alive in a fresh way. And I found myself <laughs> walking so many kilometers with not only my own children in my heart and mind and wishing that they were with me, but so often wishing that this could be a class trip for grade two or grade four. I've, I've been in different classrooms on the, over the years when I've been on those trips. But yeah, there is something powerful about, well, just the physical learning with your feet. There's there's something when we when we invite the kinesthetic part of um, of the journey into the learning experience, that just makes everything um, stick, but, um, yeah, it, it is, it was hugely impacting on, on my faith journey. Absolutely. Thank you awesome. so much, Jackie, uh, for sharing that story and your story with us. Uh, we're going to segue to what we just call a celebration of learners, uh, right now. All right, Jackie, to be inducted into the esteemed Every Square Centimeter Celebration of Learners Gallery, you need to join us on our podcast. So thank you. Uh, share what you're grappling with. Share a little bit of your story. And thank you again. And the last thing is we require at least one nice per one person to write something nice about you. And in this case, we, we, we got two people uh, that uh, joined together, J.D. Lucier and Audrey McGregor at Trinity Christian School. So Justin, I think you have a letter from them. I do. So this is a celebration from Jackie's colleagues. And I think it rings really true to our interview, actually, our conversation, that, which is so cool. At Trinity Christian School, our mission is to awaken curiosity, nurture faith, and inspire learners to reflect Jesus everywhere. Awaken, nurture, inspire. All these words are embodied in our very own grade two teacher, Jackie DeRaff. When you walk into Jackie's classroom, you can see these words truly come to life. 
From the start of the day, this is evident as she greets her students in the hallway with a stimulating question, creates community through responsive classroom, and challenges her students to engage in tough questions while maintaining a distinctly Christian voice. The consummate professional, Jackie is highly conscientious, caring, and notices the importance of details, always striving to glorify God in all she does. She models her craft to other staff members who are looking to grow in their own teaching. A woman of faith, integrity, and conviction, she does not shy away from speaking truth and standing up for her beliefs. We thank you, Jackie, for all you do to make our school a better place for students and staffs alike. J.D. and Audrey. Thank you, J.D. and Audrey. That's very, very kind. I'm, I'm not one that... Um, receives accolades very easily, um, but I'm grateful. And um, it's a joy to work at Trinity. I realize that I am um, on staff at Trinity, a, a seasoned teacher. Let's just put that, you know, I, I've been around for a long time. Um, one of the longest serving staff members at 21 years in the classroom here. Mm. And uh, yeah, sometimes I look at myself and I think, oh, how do you stay relatable? And how do you stay fresh? And how do you stay relevant? But I'm just going to trust God for the remainder of the years in the classroom to do my best and uh, and try to shine for him. So thanks for the opportunity. This uh, podcast itself is a bit of a learning curve for me. So thanks for the chance to do that. All, all of us. Thank you so much, uh, Jackie. Uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, how could they do that? Email would be fine. Jackie Giraffe at tcsonline.ca. Awesome. And again, we'll put that in the show's notes. Listeners, we'd love your involvement in our podcast as well. So email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. We'd love some uh, maybe fun opening square ideas, a prompt or question, uh, but also send us feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate. Maybe pose a question you want us to discuss. Uh, we'd love to maybe have a separate uh, episode that just deals with questions that are being posed. Last of all, we'd love more people to know about the amazing work that educators like Jackie are doing. So please rate, review, and subscribe in whatever platform you use to listen and tell a friend or colleague about the podcast. Before Darren sends us off with a blessing, uh, we want to talk just a little bit. We call it, I, you know, called ourselves a cast today. Uh, and so it's become kind of our uh, tradition here to, to ask, what do you think animal from the local region I'm referring to when I say a cast? Uh, Darren, what do you got? I'm going with bats. Okay. Justin? <laughs> I think I like Darren's answers the best every time. Uh, well, I told you guys early, I'm going swans. I'm uh, going yes. LaSalle Park swans. All and right. just for the record, I knew that was going to happen, so I knew I couldn't pick swans first. Yeah, thank you for reserving me swans. You realize, Darren, if, if it's wrong, swans is wrong, then that's two wrong answers for you. I think I'm winning, so I'm okay with okay. two wrong answers. <laughs> All right. Jackie, what do you think? Well, I was going to say coyotes because we've got a lot of coyotes around Burlington this year, but I'm going to go with swans. I think uh, I think he's right. Yes. We uh, we did learn in uh, one of our first episodes with uh, Hamilton that uh, we had coyotes, uh, coyotes as, a, as our group. But uh, today, you can call this group of birds a cast, a colony, a committee, a venue, or a wake. And those are turkey vultures. Oh, turkey vultures. Turkey vultures. Now, what I learned, so, uh, you know, Mount Nemo, is Mount Nemo Conservation Area? That's a that's a thing, right? A little bit of research around the Burlington Bruce Trail. Uh, I've made fun of the Hamilton Mountains in the past, but when I did some research here, this escarpment is no joke. It's a beautiful uh, space area. Uh, and here's what I read. It says, birders will love to see the turkey vultures floating on the thermals in a kettle. Now I'm no geologist, but did you guys understand that sentence? Like floating on the thermals in a kettle, mm -hmm. Darren? What can you give me? What do you got? That's uh, quality updrafts that often happen in the afternoon, where the warm and cold air are changing, and the birds will just sit. It's amazing. We have turkey vultures in BC, and they are some of the most proficient at just being able to sit and ride the updrafts um, coming off of uh, hillsides. Okay, nice work. So here's a, here's my prompt for the question. This random question I just throw at you, and you you got you know no time to answer, and just you know throw something back at me. So here's a quote from this Mount Nemo Conservation Area website. It says, 
After a long day of hiking, caving, and rock climbing, and the summer day day at the lookout point and watch the turkey vultures soaring while the sun sets on the escarpment. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't put turkey vultures in my imagination for this beautiful sunset scene. So I'm questioning, I'm wondering, what's something that most people think is ugly that you think is beautiful? Okay. What's something that most people think is ugly? I know we're late in the podcast, but I wouldn't recommend choosing one of your children. They still might might be listening at this point. So what what is something that you think that people think is ugly, but you think is beautiful? I see some pensive questions, some faces here. Justin, I'm going to go to you first. Well, I'm looking at a really old ratty sweater on my floor. And uh, so I'm going to go with my old ratty sweater. End the summer day at the lookout point and watch the sweaters soaring <laughs> while the sun sets. Ratty sweaters soaring as the sun sets in the sky. I like it. Darren, what do you exactly. got? I think on the West Coast, the tide goes out and you've got this these long, muddy tidal flats that are kind of nasty to walk in. But when you actually get in there and you see all the life that is just teeming in that part of our creation, um, I think it'll blow your mind, actually, how much life is in this kind of ugly, muddy soup. Beautiful. Jackie, what do you got? Something that you think is beautiful and others might think is ugly. Okay. Well, I miss my students. So there's nothing like a bouquet of dandelions given to you mm-hmm. by a young child. So I'm going to beautiful say answer. dandelions. I love it. As an elementary teacher, that is a, that's a beautiful answer. I, I will tell you before I transition and uh, Darren redeems this segment here. Um, it said, I found this website it said, don't worry, turkey vultures really do not, do only eat dead flesh. So your pets and children are technically safe. So I'll just <laughs> leave you with that. Darren, why don't you leave us with a blessing? <laughs> All right. Uh, listeners, uh, most importantly, Jackie, um, Justin, Graham, Jeremy, uh, a blessing as we, as we close out today. May God give you glimpses of what he is up to in your life and the lives of your students. May he give you the courage to lean toward formation rather than information, toward relationship and learning rather than competition and achievement. May the future you see in Christ give you the strength to walk faithfully today. And may your smile be the light of Christ in the lives of everyone you meet. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.